a hamburger at every meal. Uh, so I ate some other stuff along the way, but we did. We had a great time, and we really enjoyed being together, and we had a wonderful trip. So VBS teachers, workers, helpers, and guides, we're looking for you. We're looking for you. Uh, so Brian and April are looking for you. You can see them or you can go to the information desk and sign up. But please uh, help us out and let's get ready for that. Next, uh, next Sunday, we're going to have our 4th of July picnic like we do just about every year, July the 2nd. Uh, it'll be a combined morning service. We start at 10.30 and go till about noon. And then after that service is over, we go over to the uh, fellowship hall uh, and we have hamburgers and hot dogs and all the fixings. Uh, and uh, we're just looking for a great time. Each family uh, that plans to attend, just bring a side dish, whichever one you want to bring, uh, and um, uh, maybe a dessert and a drink to go along with that for your family and maybe one or two others. And we'll have more than enough and we'll have a great time. And if if you don't bring it or if you forget it or you're not able to come on and have a picnic with us anyway and then there'll be no evening service next Sunday evening so looking for a great time next Sunday morning uh, for our uh, early 4th of July picnic also on July the 7th there's a men's devotion night in the fellowship hall uh, men you don't want to miss that young adults Bible study July the 8th 7 o'clock in the fellowship hall also on the 8th uh, is the young ladies convention uh, and uh, we're that is for every lady 10 years old and above 10 years old and above are invited out for brunch devotion and a time of fellowship on Saturday uh, the 11th and that starts at 10 o'clock uh, and then next uh, next Sunday July the 9th is the kickoff to our camp meeting and uh, preaching in the morning will be Mike Holcomb and preaching in the evening will be Ian Martin so we're going to be kicking off uh, the camp meeting and then all week long over at the campground uh, uh, every single night at 7 o'clock we'll be over there if you get there a little bit early we usually have a circle of prayer for the men uh, and then on Wednesday through Friday we have morning meetings at 10 o'clock and our main Main speaker each morning is Dr. Brad Davis and does some tremendous uh, preaching for us. This year we have Mike Holcomb uh, as well as, um, oh, what's, uh, why can I never, Kenny Baldwin. Yeah, I never can remember Kenny's first name. Kenny Baldwin, he'll be preaching for us. So we're going to have a great, great week over there. And, I know, and then we have the Lore family singing for us on Friday night. So it's going to be a great week. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, every night over at the campground and Monday through, I mean Wednesday through Friday uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. All right, we're going to ask our ushers to come forward. All right, so final cleanup this Friday evening, afternoon, evening, whenever you can get over there to help. Uh, I need to get the campground cleaned up and ready to go uh, for the camp meeting and looking forward to it. Okay, tell them. <laughs> it is, it's always great. All right, you heard it. You don't even have to cook this 
that, that week. It's one week from today it starts, so you don't even have to cook. We're going to have a great time. All right. All right. We're going to uh, look to the Lord for his blessings on our uh, tithes and offerings this morning. I'm going to ask Jason, if he would, to lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this place and thank you for this people, Lord, and just thank you that you're willing to be here among us, Lord. We pray as we get together this morning. Lord, that the focus would be on you and on your word and worshiping you. And we pray for this offering that it would be used to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, number one, number one, okay, Lord, in Jesus' name.
of a runaway with no way home and no way out. I threw the best of me away. I had my chance. It's too late now. I'm too far gone and too ashamed to think that you'd still know my name. But love refused to let my story end that way. grace would chase this rebel down and crawl into this prisoner's cage and take my hand and pull me out you knew I couldn't make the change so you became the change in me and now I live to tell the story of the God who where I stand your cross is the proof that love made the first
Bible says, I love you. she tell her family still her daddy's little girl she can't believe she's showing Oh 
Amen. Isn't it great to be saved? 
I am glad to be a part of the family of God this morning. I'm glad to have a confidence that I know where I'm going. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, you, don't have, you don't have to fear tomorrow, no matter what tomorrow brings. Because if you're a Christian, if you've been born into the family of God, you've been washed by the uh, blood of Christ, uh, then if, if you're living and there's all kind of problems in the world, you got Jesus inside to give you com- comfort and strength, the Holy Spirit to, uh, to guide you and direct you and uh, to give you a hope for tomorrow and to give you wisdom in every decision. And then if you happen to go from this life to the next, then you're going to leave all your troubles behind. All your sorrows and heartaches will be behind you. And uh, you will be forever with the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? And uh, I just thank the Lord for that, knowing the goodness of God today. All right, if you have your uh, Bible, you can turn with me. We're going to look into the Gospel of John today. Uh, uh, We're going to look at Gospel of John chapter number 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 14. Uh, So uh, uh, I don't know what motivated Brother Barry this morning, but... Uh, he actually read from the Gospel of John, chapter number 1, read a few of the verses we're going to read even. He's started and read down through several verses, and so we appreciate that. It's almost like he was getting us ready for the message. That was during the Sunday school hour. Uh, we do have a Sunday school hour. If you did not know that, uh, we want you to know uh, 10 o'clock is the Sunday school hour. Uh, and uh, you can come to Sunday school at Nottingham Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, and we'd love for you to be here. Uh, our teachers work hard uh, to prepare, and they do a fantastic job. And uh, the children's classes, they're well prepared. They all, the children all have a great time and learn from the Word of God. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the, in the elementary uh, grades and in the from kindergarten on up to about the sixth grade, uh, it actually is a three-year program. So they're going to go through the Bible in three years, and then when they finish it, they're going to start over and go through the Bible again in three years. And wherever you happen to come in at, you're just going to be plugged in right there and either finish that three years up or start the beginning of a three-year going through the Bible. And so by the time they get through that, they've gone through the Bible at least twice in Sunday school. That's good news. And then in the uh, teens and adult classes, they study very hard to make sure that they're uh, addressing the issues that that we need to address as young adults and as adults and as parents and as grandparents and as great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents, wherever you are, uh, they're they're working hard to try to fill that in. Uh, This morning, I'm going to... uh, uh, step away from the, uh, I, normally this, I would be preaching from Isaiah uh, on a Sunday, uh, but I just really felt the Lord uh, directing me to preach from the book of John today. Uh, if you are with us on Wednesday mornings, and also here lately we've been having Monday and Wednesday at 10 o'clock, and I will be back on again tomorrow at 10 o'clock on Monday morning and then again Wednesday Uh, Just go to the uh, Nottingham Facebook page uh, and you can click on, uh, you can click on there. Uh, It'll also be on the Mercy Project page and my personal page and you can click on there and watch Digging Deeper and we've been studying the Gospel of John 
Uh, and I, as I was looking over these notes again during the week, there uh, on, the, on the ship looking over my notes early one morning, I just really felt that this was where the Lord would have us to be today. So if you have found the Gospel of John chapter number 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 14. If you'd stand with us, please, for the honor of the reading of the Word of God. And the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. I like that. I like that verse. I like all these verses. Verse 12 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the Word of God today. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for its power. We thank you for its life-changing ability in those who will take it and accept it as it is, and put their faith and trust in the Christ who is revealed in the pages of these these words. We pray now you'd bless this morning as we bring the message. We pray you'd speak to us uh, through the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, and we'll give you all the praise and the honor. We'll make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. So the... Verse number 14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The title of the message this morning, if I had a title, uh, would be The Witness of John. This is The Witness of John the Baptist. And, and I, I, I kind of want to clarify this just a little bit. If you've been with us on Wednesday mornings, you already know this uh, because we discussed it in previous lessons. Uh, but if you haven't been, uh, then, then it will help you in, in understanding the message, even the message today. And that is this, that when we think of this particular John in the Bible, uh, we think of John the Baptist. And we can almost picture in our mind uh, the Lord Jesus Christ coming to John baptizing uh, in the wilderness in the River Jordan. And we can just almost imagine what it would have been like that day uh, when Jesus said, you know, John, I've come to be baptized. And he said, hey, I I can't baptize you. Uh, You know, I'm not even worthy to uh, reach down and unlatch your sandals. I, I I can't be the baptizer. And then he said, well, this is what the Father's plan. This is, this is, this is God's will. And, and we're going to fulfill uh, every example. And so then John baptizes Jesus. And then you remember, uh, there's a voice out of heaven and, a, uh, and the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove. And God speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So we, 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 we picture this in our mind. And we picture John baptizing all of these people uh, in the river Jordan. Not just Jesus, but everybody coming to him for the baptism of repentance. But the truth is, in the Gospel of John... Uh, specifically and especially, he is more presented as a witness than as a baptizer. Now, he was a baptizer, and, he, uh, and that's what he did. And, and in uh, the other Gospels, that is truly what is emphasized about his ministry. 
But in the Gospel of John, he is uh, spoken more often as a witness than anything else. And so that's what we want to kind of put our heart and mind to today. We want to put our heart and mind to what it is that John the Baptist was a witness of. He was the witness... Uh, he was the, we know that he was the forerunner, and so he is the witness. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, G- John the Baptist is the first great witness of the life ministry of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of great witnesses of Jesus. Uh, from the time uh, of his, the beginning of his ministry, you remember the Lord sent them out two by two to be a witness and to make proclamation. And you'll remember that he told them uh, uh, when he was about to ascend after his resurrection, he said, ye shall be witnesses of me in Judea and Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. We know that uh, there are many great witnesses. And then we know that Paul was called on the road to Damascus, uh, miraculously glorious to be this great witness of the Lord Jesus Christ not to the Jews uh, but specifically and particularly to the Gentiles and he became uh, the apostle born out of due season and I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not but he was born out of due season and so are we The Gentiles are now invited in just as uh, Paul was invited in to be one of the apostles uh, after uh, they had already witnessed uh, his earthly ministry. And now we, uh, the Gentiles, after the law, after the the wilderness experience, after coming out of Egypt and all that the Jews had seen, then we, out of due season, are now called into the family of God. It's a glorious truth, amen? It's a glorious thought. So John is this great witness, this great witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in verse number 15, John bare witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. Now listen to the last part of this verse. He that cometh after me is preferred before me for he was before me. Now I'm going to read that again, just the last part of it. This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now these are the words recorded for us in Scripture of John the Baptist. And what is he saying? He's saying, he, this is the one that I told you was going to come after me. I'm not here to lift up myself, John said. As a matter of fact, John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. So when the Lord comes on the scene, John is going to uh, begin to fade in his significance and in his position. As a matter of fact, in the end, he's going to wind up being beheaded uh, for the cause of Christ. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, John the Baptist uh, is this great witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm telling you, this is the one that I told you was coming after me. And Jesus truly came after John the Baptist. He came after him in this respect. John John was born about six months 
before Jesus. Now you remember uh, that when Mary uh, conceived of the Holy Spirit, she went into the hill country to see her cousin Elizabeth who was uh, expecting a child and that child was to be John, named John and then he would become uh, John the Baptizer or John the Baptist and you remember she had just conceived but when she got there, Elizabeth was already six months. So that means that Jesus Christ was born about six months uh, after John the Baptist. So John the Baptist says he's coming after me and even in his birth he comes after John the Baptist. But not only that, but then there's the the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It definitely begins after the ministry of the John the Baptist. We know this because most people, and and I agree, uh, and uh, you can disagree if you want, that's fine, but I personally believe that the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ by John marks the beginning of his earthly ministry. Now, there are a few scholars who have, you know, maybe the uh, the wedding at Cana of Galilee or whatever, but I believe uh, that the the baptism, and one of the reasons I believe that is because there's very very, 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 very few times in history uh, and and as is recorded in the Bible that we have all three persons of the Trinity revealed on the earth at the same time. But at the baptism of Jesus Christ, we have the Father who speaks from heaven. We have the Holy Spirit who descends uh, in the form of a dove. And we have Jesus Christ who is the Son of God being baptized. So this is a very unusual and unique moment in all of human history. Wouldn't it have been wonderful? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been there that day and, and experienced all three persons of the Trinity representing themselves at the baptism of the Son of God? Wouldn't that have been marvelous? Well, let me tell you what. It's just as marvelous for us to recognize it and appreciate it today because I've got a feeling they didn't understand what was going on at the they did not. They did not comprehend. Uh, have you ever done? Have you ever been through something? Something happened to you? Had some experience, uh, and then later on said, "We didn't even know what was going on. We we didn't know how significant this was. We didn't know how much." Yeah, you maybe you heard somebody preach for their very first time, and then later on you find out that man, they've become a powerful preacher, a, a, an impactor in uh, in the for the cause of Christ in the present world, and and people all over have been saved in their ministry and you think you know when the first time we heard him preach a little teenage boy we didn't have any idea didn't have any idea i think they were standing there watching uh, watching this baptizer who had baptized hundreds maybe even thousands by this point and here's jesus comes to be baptized and they just didn't they just didn't get it even when they heard the voice from heaven they were amazed but they didn't they didn't really get it they didn't really comprehend it but you and i know do we not Thank, thank God for progressive revelation, the understanding of the Word of God, and seeing, being able to look back uh, and, uh, and know uh, some of these great truths. You know, you, comp- you can complain about living in this generation if you want to. You can say it sure would have been wonderful to have lived in Jesus' generation or in Paul's generation, or it would have been great if we could have lived uh, when D.L. Moody was preaching. Let me tell you something. This is the greatest generation that's ever walked on the face of the earth. I believe we are nearer 
to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than this world has ever been. And I believe we have a greater opportunity to impact our world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ than we've ever had. There's more technology. There's more, uh, there's more knowledge. There's more ability. I'm telling you, if we would rise up as the church of the living God and do what God has called us to do, it'd be astounding what could take place in this generation. And let me tell you something, I see it. I do, I see it. I know I've heard all the negative. That's it. That's the second pair I broke this month. <laughs> Somebody have to read the Bible for me here in a minute. But you know, we hear all this negative. Let me tell you something. I'm preaching churches all across the country. I'm in mission conferences and, uh, and in revival meetings and, uh, and, and I'm in camp meetings. And you know what I see? I see people walking down the aisle weeping and asking God to save them. Do you know they're just as saved as if Billy Graham had been preaching? They're going to the same heaven uh, that D.L. Moody went to. Do you know that God is working in a powerful way? Somebody was criticizing a preacher the other day, and my wife said, you know what, they, they better be careful. That man's seeing an awful lot of people saved. It's evident that the hand of God's on that man. You better be careful talking about somebody that God's using. Yeah, you better, you, you, better, you, better, you better take second thought. If God is using somebody to win people to Jesus, bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ, snatch them from the flames of hell and head them toward the road to glory, I'm telling you, you better be praying for them instead of criticizing them. Amen? We live in a very critical world. Everybody is critical of everything that's happening. But I'm telling you what, I've got a God that's no weaker now than he's ever been. And I've got a Savior that's no less able to save than he's ever been. And I've got a gospel that's as true as the moment it was revealed. And I've got the Holy Ghost of God that fills me just like he always has and just like he fills St. Paul. I'm telling you, we're living in a great, great great day we need to be a witness instead of complaining about what God about what others are doing praise God for what he's doing well I one arm let's see how we do here John's ministry began and my and, and my humble opinion John's ministry began at least 18 months before the ministry of Jesus Christ I study this a lot, and I, I, I don't claim to be a scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but, but the best I could understand is somewhere between two years and 18 months before Jesus Christ was baptized in the River Jordan, I believe John began his ministry. He's been ministering for quite a long time. He's been making quite a big difference. The Bible says that all Jerusalem went out. That's what the Bible says. All Jerusalem went out to see what, well, what is this one crying in the wilderness? What's going on out there? Well, they all went out to see. So his ministry had grown and increased and had been greatly used. And what was his ministry? You say, well, he was John the baptizer. That's true. But let's take a look and see if I can read this. <laughs> what, of course, good thing I pretty much got these verses memorized. But let's take a look and see what he says here. He says, John bear witness of him. That's what John was doing. 
He was bearing witness of Jesus. And what is he saying? He said, oh, he, the, this is the one that I told you was coming after me. And then he said, but, but, and he made a, listen, he made an astounding statement, actually. He said, he come after me, but he's really before me. I, uh, he's preferred, now that's the first thing he says, he's preferred before me. Now that's a powerful statement. As a matter of fact, some of the people standing there that day, they were probably shocked to hear John say that. Because in Jewish culture, at that particular time, whatever, what, whoever was the oldest or, or whoever, had, uh, whoever began first, they took precedent. So if you had a rabbi or a teacher, the, as he grew in age uh, and in experience, uh, he moved up and up and up. Uh, and the younger and the later ones to come in, they were always preferred far less than the one who had been around. So we've got about two years of experience uh, uh, in the ministry that John has above Jesus Christ, and he's physically older than Jesus Christ, and yet he says, he's preferred before me. And you know what? Those in the crowd knew what he meant. What he meant was this. There is something exceptional, exceptional, about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not ordinary. He's not average. He's not run of the mill. There's something exceptional about this person. You know people like that, don't you? Amen. We got people like that in this very church. Exceptional people. Sit down and play the piano and it's like, you know, sing like angels. You know, I mean, you know, and and wise beyond their years. What, you say, what is it about these people? They're exceptional. They're exceptional. Jesus Christ was an exceptional individual because, and John the Baptist made that clear when he said he was preferred before me. And then he says this. He says, because he was before me. Now, wait, wait, wait a minute. I can understand him being preferred above him or before him. I can understand that. But his ministry is just today starting, and he's younger than John the Baptist. How can he be before him? You know the truth. You know the answer. When John the Baptist was born, he was a unique individual. He, he was, it was the beginning of the existence of a brand new person when he was conceived in the womb of Elizabeth. Brand new person. Not so with Jesus. Not so. Jesus Christ did not start his existence with conception. He did not begin to exist at the time of his birth. No, no. The Bible says that he was, on the, when the world was created, he was there. As a matter of fact, not only was he there, I personally believe that he is the one who spoke it into existence. You say, well, that had to be the Father. Well, the Bible says that, that to Jesus Christ is given all authority in what? Heaven and in earth. Who rules this world? Satan rules the world. No, Jesus rules the world. You say, oh, but it's so out of control. That's all right. Jesus knows what he's doing. Amen. He knows what he's doing. It's a tapestry finely woven that once it's finished and revealed, we'll all be astounded. Because Jesus knows exactly what. You say, no, no, Jesus is going to rule the world when he comes back. Let me tell you something. Jesus is ruling the world now. Amen? 
he, he may be behind the scenes. Satan may be getting all the headlines. Uh, the wicked ones may seem to be way ahead of the, uh, of the believers. Uh, the Bible thumpers, uh, they may be looked down upon. They may be the outcast. They may even be the minority, although I don't necessarily believe that's true. But they might even be the minority. It doesn't matter, though, because the king of kings is watching every moment. And he knows exactly what's going to happen next. Satan may think he's ruling the world, but Satan don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He does not know. Satan doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow because he's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He, he, he can't possibly see the future. But I'm telling you, my Savior can see tomorrow. He can see a hundred years down the road. He can see a, if, there, if there is another thousand years on earth, he can see every one of them, every moment of the next thousand years. Jesus already knows what's going to happen. Don't tell me Satan's ruling this world. My Savior's in control. So when your life seems out of hand and all broken up and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn, like the song I was telling Eric about a little bit earlier that I, I heard a couple of weeks ago and it just kept ringing over in my mind. I finally had to pick up my guitar and learn that song. You may think that no one loves you and that your life is out of hand, but I know a man who can. I can't, I can't walk on the water. I can't calm a raging sea. Oh, but I know a man who can. I can't take a heart that's broken and mend it again. But I know a man who can. Let me tell you something. Jesus is in control. Jesus is the one to follow. Jesus is the one to listen to. Jesus is the one to respond to. If you're here this morning and you've never responded to the offer of salvation that Jesus has extended to the whole world, every person living in this world has the opportunity of salvation. Jesus has extended it to the whole world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible says that he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. The Bible says whosoever believeth on the Son of God shall be saved. I'm telling you this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never been born into the family of God, He's the one you need. He's the one you need to trust. He's the one you need to follow. That too comes from a song I heard this week that reminded me of those verses. I, I heard it on the radio. I can't remember some, I can't even remember the group, let alone the song. But I, I remember that was the kind of the theme of it. Jesus is the one you need to follow. Jesus is the one you need to trust. Now let's see what else he says here. I can read this. Okay, I need to, I need to wrap this up. But I, 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 I just got, I'm going to get down to this because it's time to finish. And so let me get down to the very end. The Bible says in the 17th verse, and I, there's a lot here that we're not going to get to, and uh, that's fine. You should have been with us on Wednesday mornings when I, you know, when I took 20 minutes and said more than I've said this morning in 45, whatever. For the law was given by Moses. Grace, truth, came by Jesus Christ. So Moses brought in the dispensation of the law. And I, want to make, I just want to go through these notes real quick because I want you to understand something. The, some people have the idea, some people have the idea that the law uh, was inferior to, uh, to God himself. It was, uh, it was a, a stopgap. You ever do that? You ever done that before? 
You ever, you know, you know I mean, you, you ever fix something with duct tape? Okay. Yeah, some of your on your head. Fix some of it. It don't. It shouldn't been fixed with duct tape, but but it's all you had, and and it was gonna do for it a little bit. It wasn't gonna last long, but it's gonna get you through. So it's a stop. Some people have the idea that the law was like that. That the law was some kind of stopgap to get us from the covenant of Abraham to the covenant of Christ. And we need something just to kind of stick in here that'll get us from Abraham to Jesus. And so now we have the Mosaic covenant. We have the, we have the covenant of the law. We have the dispensation of the law. And it's just a stopgap. It's going to get us from one place to another. Could I tell you nothing could be further from the truth? The law is absolutely necessary. And that's important to this point that we're going to make that you understand that. So the law is absolutely necessary for by it the holiness of God is revealed to men. How would you know God was holy if it weren't for the law? You say, well, God is God, so therefore he must be holy. That's because you grew up in a, in a, in a Christian culture. If you had grown up in a Greek culture or a Roman culture, you wouldn't think that, that, uh, that gods are perfect. While the Greek gods and the Roman gods, they, they, were, they were motivated by jealousy. They were motivated by envy. They were motivated by greed. They, they were motivated by, by sensual lust. These were quote unquote gods and, and this is the way they responded. So it wasn't until uh, Paul stood on Mars Hill and said, Hey, that unknown God that you don't know who he is, I know who he is. And he's a holy God. And how do I know he's a holy God? Because of his law. He gave us his law and we see his holiness represented in his law. That's how we know that God is a just God. That's how we know that God is a fair God. That's how we know that God is a righteous God. Uh, and, and, we, uh, and we know that he is full of holiness altogether. Why? Because the law hath revealed that to us. We wouldn't know it if it had not been for the law. And not only is it uh, reveal the holiness of God, but it, uh, the law is also needed because it's our schoolmaster. Okay? The law, whether you like it or not, the law teaches us, me and you, right from wrong. It teaches us how to live. Got a schoolmaster in a schoolroom, uh, and we, that's what they're called. And uh, when, where we, when we were missionaries in Wales for seven years, uh, the schools didn't have principals. They had schoolmasters. And the schoolmaster was there to make sure that people got the education that they're supposed to get and that they learned the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Now, we live in a world today where that's, the lines have been blurred. But there is a right... And there is a wrong. And the reason we have so many people who can't figure that out is because they have rejected the word of God. Therefore, they know nothing about the law of God. Therefore, they cannot make a decision between what is right and what is wrong. But the law teaches us this. So it was absolutely necessary. Was it a stopgap? It wasn't duct tape to get us past one. It wasn't just something that would link us between Abraham and Jesus. No, 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 my friend. The law is absolutely necessary. Now notice the, the last part of this verse. It says this. For the law was given by Moses. Now notice this, and then we'll be done. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. 
But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, folks. Our world really wants the grace, do they not? As a matter of fact, we've got people saying, you know, God, he's just love and nothing else. They obviously know nothing about the Bible. Apparently, if they have read it, they forgot it because that's not what the Bible teaches at all. As a matter of fact, that is not even what the Bible teaches about our present dispensation. You say, oh, we're, we're, living, in the, we're living in the age of grace. We're living in the dispensation of grace. We can live any way we want to. Uh, whoa. That's not what John the Baptist said. Amen. Do you know that John the Baptist was the baptizer? And do you know what he baptized unto? Now remember, Jesus has not yet come in the beginning of... He's got two years of ministry before Jesus ever even gets baptized. So he's not baptizing unto Christ. And he's certainly not baptizing into the church because the church doesn't exist yet. It doesn't even come on the scene till the day of Pentecost. So what is he baptizing unto? The Bible said he was baptizing unto repentance. And what was the very first sermon that Jesus preached? Repent. Repent. The first sermon that John the Baptist uh, preached was, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's almost here. <laughs> Man, what a thought. John the Baptist out there preaching, he's saying, Repent because the kingdom of heaven is it's almost here. Kingdom of heaven is at the door. If the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's almost here. Jesus is going to appear at any moment. And then he shows up one day, and John the Baptist, the great witness of the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So if it's all of grace, what about the sin of the world? And what about all this repentance? Well, that's because the Bible says that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm living in the dispensation of grace, but I'm also living in the dispensation of truth too. Amen? You know, Christians were so often in the early church, and, and I mean with the very early church, from the time of the ascension of Christ nearly, they were known as people of the book. People of the book. They believed the truth. Oh, don't, don't listen to the people today that are telling you it doesn't matter how you live. Let me tell you something. There is some abhorrent sins being committed in the name of love. Let me tell you something. That is not love. That is not love. Love is recognizing the truth. Love is walking in the truth. And love is compelling people to walk with you in the truth and to be forgiven and cleansed of their sins. That's love. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach the message this morning. Someone here today, in a crowd this size, somebody here today needs Jesus. Somebody here today needs to be forgiven. Somebody here today needs to lay their life on the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody here today needs to have an eternal change. Somebody needs to walk this aisle this morning and say, can you show me 
how I can be saved. Can you tell me how I can come to know Jesus as my Lord? Can you tell me how to get rid of this burden of guilt, this weight of sin that is so heavy upon my life? Can you tell me how that can be lifted? Oh, we have a Savior. We have a forgiver. We have a redeemer. We have a Christ who is able to save to the uttermost. May we not wait. May we not put it off. Lord, speak to that. Those that are here today who need the Savior, Lord, may they not leave without you. May they walk this aisle this very morning and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together as they say. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers it was my sin that held him there until it was No gifts, no power, no...